This podcast is brought to you by Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking 10 to 12 Advil every day just to get through my workday, not to mention the stuff I was doing at night like alcohol and other substances. I suffered from chronic pain due to car accidents, sports injury, and repetitive motion damage from being a drywaller. I had worked in the trades for nearly 20 years and had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones. I had some severe sports-related injuries. Most of my cryo SI would only give me temporary relief from day-to-day pain. It was getting expensive and depressing to see the other doctors knowing that I would be right back into the same boat the next morning. I was lucky that the last chiropractor I saw said that she cannot help me anymore and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months and I was almost completely off the pills and life was getting better. I have known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years and referred almost everyone I know to him and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patients' care and use a variety of techniques to help their patients achieve their goals of pain relief or injury resolution to improve sports performance. Calgary is privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.ayhcalgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye from Nye's Touch and Nye's Tats. There's some debate over who invented the first motorbike. Several men claim to have the first designer patent. Regardless who it was, my guess is that the very next year, some dude started customizing his newly invented contraption. Throughout history, men and women have been altering their transportation to move faster, turn sharper, or turn ahead or two. If you are customizing your ride to be low and slow, shiny and fast, loud and obnoxious, You have not completed the project until you have your custom paint job done. Paul Nye at Nye's Touch is your guy for custom paint on bikes, boats, cars, buses, or anything else you ride. You want a bike that looks like no one else? Nice Touch. You want to honor a fallen friend with the hood of your car? Nice Touch. You want a mural of your favorite girl on the side of a bus? You guessed it. Nice Touch. Paul has been airbrushing for more than 15 years and his work will take your breath away. Check out his work on Instagram at Dripping Chrome or on Facebook at Nice Touch or call him at 587-435-4602 for your free estimate. Don't forget, Paul will be in a tattoo studio near me soon. And now, on with the show. No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad with the I Wanna Know Podcast, a kick-ass podcast. We're here today with uh, pro pitcher uh, Jeff Freeborn, head coach of the University of Calgary Dinos, former pitcher for the Vipers, and owner and founder of Sidearm Nation. 
Did I get it all? That's everything. How's it going? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No, this is very, very exciting for us. Um, it's not one of the sports that uh, I played a lot as a kid, but I never really followed as an adult. So it's it's fun to get back. And I was doing some reading and looking up some uh, stuff about baseball that I hadn't done in a long time. <laughs> World Series too, right? So Yeah. <laughs> all this stuff is over my head. And this is why we call it I Want to Know, because I, I, I actually want to know and I need to know. Awesome. So... How did uh, how did it all start for you? Uh, obviously, you were a kid, played baseball, and the the passion bug bit you. And um, yeah, no, I grew up here in Calgary, and you know, played baseball. I mean, I think I started when I was five, t-ball. Wow. Yeah, um, it was always one of those things. I played a lot of sports growing up, but baseball just kind of I stood out. You know, as a left-handed pitcher, and um, just kind of was better than everyone else you know and and in a way I I didn't really think I was going to play professional baseball till I was probably about 15 that's kind of when I started to realize like oh you know like this is definitely something that could take me somewhere and you know had my first uh, scout approach me when I was 15 with with the California Angels and so that's kind of where I realized like oh yeah I guess I'm I'm okay at this sport so (laughs) um that's kind of where it started. I mean, I played with Bull Ridge Little League, so their field is right behind Foothill Stadium. Right. So when I was 12 years old, I, I did get to play a lot of games at that field, and, you know, we played sometimes when the Cannons were, were playing, and so that kind of maybe got my bug too a little bit. Like, yeah, someday I want to... Seeing the pros. want to play at that field. So and I yeah. was fortunate enough to do that with the Vipers. So. That's so cool. Um, what is the, the deal? Like, why are left-handed pitchers more unique or better to have on your team? Um, they're just kind of rare okay. in, in, a, in a way. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know the percentage of left-handers in the world, whatever, 10% of us or, yeah. um, you know, and then to, to throw that into baseball, you know, to have a, you know, whatever percentage that can actually throw strikes and throw with some velocity yeah. just becomes even more rare. So, Is it harder to hit against a left-handed pitcher, or is there something more difficult? Um, definitely, like, the lefty-lefty matchup. You know, that's that's more difficult for a left-handed batter to face a left-handed okay. pitcher. It's just a different look. Yeah, I mean, they're almost hitters are trained to face a right-handed pitcher, just coaches. Yeah. Just always throwing percentage. batting practice, you yeah. know. I mean, our hitters at UFC are lucky enough to face me and, um, yeah. you know, my batting practice being a lefty, but it's more than likely going to be a right-handed thrower throwing batting practice. So they just get used to seeing a righty, and yeah. once they see a lefty, it's just, it is something <laughs> different. So Yeah, well, it helps you stand out in the crowd. Yep. I had a coach when I was probably about eight or nine maybe, um, we were playing softball, and I was a little kid, um, smaller than uh, Monkey over here is, <clears throat> and so just lacking power, right? Uh, everyone on the team could hit further than me, and my coach he made me switch. He's like, you got to go left. That's where your power is going to come from. And so uh, since then, he literally put me out in the field and made me practice left for like hours on end while everyone else was doing the game fun <laughs> stuff. He just made me keep practicing left-handed. And so then I turned left on everything, hockey, not not reading or writing, so I still do all my regular stuff. But if I hold a stick, it's left-handed. Lefty. Yeah, <laughs> and I still throw right. <laughs> but I feel like I hit way harder. Um, um, you know, I can swing harder in golf, and I don't know what you do in hockey. 
Swing harder, I guess. <laughs> Shoot harder. <laughs> Shoot harder. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So I, that I'm strictly lefty. I do everything left-handed. The only thing I do right-handed is catch. Okay. I'm super oh, yeah. left-handed dominant. Everything. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Really? Basketball? I lay up left-handed. I can't do it right-handed. Yeah, it's. I'm yeah. definitely very left-handed oriented. Yeah, that's cool. I even it's martial good and, arts. Good and bad, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> even martial arts, I couldn't switch. It's only if I'm holding a stick. Hmm. My drywall, dude. My pole sander. I held it left-handed. <laughs> Go figure, right? Huh. Um, I had a ton of questions for you because there's the, the left-handed pitcher thing was one of them that really stuck out for me because you hear it in the news, you hear it on sports, like, oh, he's facing a left-handed pitcher. He always has trouble with a left-handed pitcher. Like, mm-hmm. players overall struggle against you guys. So I just, I never understood why because, you know, martial artists, boxers face a left-hander yep. a southpaw all the time. And it, I would say it's a little bit more difficult, but it doesn't take long to just to figure out the patterns and, and but baseball's not really about patterns. And I and I'm sure at the higher level, you know, in the bigs, they do have a, a batting practice, a BP thrower that'll be a lefty and a righty. So they okay. start to like even in the minors, they'll start to kind of get used to maybe seeing a lefty more and more often. But it is probably one of more of those things like growing up, yeah. There's there won't be that many left handed coaches. And I do think that plays a big factor. They just get used That's to seeing cool. a righty. So yeah. Um, when I dropped down in, in pro baseball, when I became a sidearm left-handed pitcher, that's even more difficult to hit, especially for a left-handed batter. Like they they struggle against a lefty throwing over the top. And then when you drop down, it's even, yeah, it enhances your, your percentage even more. I was reading that on your uh, biography, on your page there, that you had a coach that says, oh, we're going to drop that arm down. And, mm-hmm. and so what did you feel was the difference when you went from an overhand throw to a side throw? Um, for me, I, I hurt my shoulder, um, when I was a junior in university. So I basically almost had three years of just trying to battle through it and get back to a hundred percent, but I, I just, I wasn't, um, so dropping down actually kind of just took pressure off my shoulder, you know, like your, your shoulder is actually designed to throw underhand. Okay. So anything you do over, overhand, your shoulder's actually not designed to do that. Uh, I did drywall most of my <laughs> life. I know. So, I mean, it's it's why softball pitchers can throw, um, you know, four games in a weekend and not necessarily be hurt. Yeah. Kind of bounce back pretty quick, whereas baseball pitchers, it's basically one game and that's it, and you need a week off. So I guess in a way, like dropping down, it just it kind of basically pressure yeah kind of released my shoulder again and in a way made baseball fun again for me so cool what what are you guys doing to help like so obviously there's injuries in every sport and and some guys don't learn to throw sidearms so they're just throwing overhand and they're getting what what are the kind of therapies you guys do like our big thing even with like our university guys is just arm care making sure every day they're doing their arm band work and um big thing for me is just that you're getting your sprints in um after you throw um, so basically just 10 hard nineties. So basically from, um, first base to second base. Yeah. So just getting kind of 10 of those every day. Okay. Will kind of flush out your arm. Yeah. Um, even honestly going for like a 20 minute jog just really? to kind of flush out the lactic acid that's in your shoulder. Yeah. Can definitely, uh, help with saving your arm in a way. Obviously you guys have stretches in that you do regularly. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big thing too, especially when it starts getting cold and being in Canada, is just making sure you get a proper dynamic warm up. It's right. not just picking up the ball and throwing it as hard as you can. Like it's yeah. like a proper 15, 20 minute warm up. What's your best pitch? Um, Speed wise. I got up to 91. 91. But, what, what are major leagues? Um, I mean, honestly, like that's the scary thing nowadays. Like 91 is like, I mean, I don't even know if a scout would be interested anymore, right? Like it's almost like. Yeah. 90 back then was a big thing, but now 90, it's almost like 95 is kind of that new number you need to be okay. touching to even get some looks. I mean, Four kilometers an hour, like that's like well, from mi- here to the moon, or, right? Or miles per hour. Miles per miles hour. Per hour. So yeah. even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that's incredible. But I mean, I didn't, I wasn't consistent. I was like probably 86, 88, yeah. touching 91. Um, like I said, nowadays, like guys are like 90, 95, touching 100, you know, like, like or 95, 96, 97, touching 100. Like it's velocities. I mean, it's changed now. People that don't believe in evolution are crazy because you just look at from sports alone. I mean, obviously, our nutrition is better, mm-hmm. our knowledge is better, all that stuff is better. So people are getting bigger, faster, stronger, uh, more durable. Yep. Um, so it has to increase from year to year. Yep. But I watched some videos of guys throwing overhand baseball, like slow motion over. Their arm's not doing what a human arm is <laughs> supposed to do. There's, There's like, some unnatural positions. Yeah. No, it's it I tend to not like watching those actually. Like They're even it's just scary. It's <laughs> and hence probably why my shoulder kinda I did tear my rotator cuff and Yeah. Yeah, I know it, it's it's not designed to do that. But <laughs> such a small I so I've had a ton of rotator rotator cuff injuries as well. So I did drywall mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of years, obviously all overhead taping, boarding that. Yep. And I did MMA for a while. So you get armbarred all the time. Even just practicing, you you, you let the people armbar you so your shoulder's always getting stretched. So I ping my um, rotator cuffs over and over and over again. I've got a guy here in town, uh, Dr. James McIntyre, one of our sponsors, by the way, Adjust Your Health. He does active release therapy yep. to help repair the rotator cuff. But he was showing me on a on a um, picture how small the little four muscles are that hold your shoulder into place. I'm like, that is insane. <laughs> and then you guys are whipping a ball at 91 miles an hour. And I mean, there's a good, um, I didn't read the whole thing. It's it's a documentary kind of on, on the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying your arms basically, it was designed back in the day to basically throw one spear, you know, to kill an animal. Yeah. But like one throw. Right. Maybe one throw a month, you know, whereas we're now, now, now guys are throwing a hundred pitches in a day and like, that's not what our arm was really designed to do. No, but that's, that's the key, right? That's. The people that want to sacrifice everything for the one thing, they're the ones that make it to the big leagues. I mean, obviously you did. You were a professional baseball player. That's that's the big leagues in my mind, right? You're, yep. you're getting paid to do what you love. There's nothing better than that. No, I, I definitely, you know, I didn't reach my goal of playing in the bigs, but at the same time I did reach my goal of playing professional baseball for five years. So Amazing. I, I, I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The, um, but yeah, like the, that's, that's the challenge. Like how far do you want to push yourself? I remember when I was living in Kelowna training under David Lee and there was scouts coming out for MMA and this is in 2000. So it wasn't even 99, maybe it wasn't even popular yet. Hmm. And, uh, had a couple people looking an opportunity to go to China and, and fight. And I was like, 
if I go, the odds of me like getting a full paycheck is going to be small, and that paycheck's going to be small. <laughs> and so I just waited out in my head. I'm like, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun, but I just didn't have that same passion that I was willing to risk everything over MMA. And I love the guys that do for sure. So I came here, got married, had kids, bought a house, did all the stuff <laughs> that that normal people do, and I don't regret it at all. I, I look back on that as like there was so much fun, but you made it. You got paid to do what you wanted, like to to do what you love. Yeah. And I can't complain either. Like, I got to travel the world. I, I played on all six continents, so, so, you know, all over. I got to see, basically, you name it. I've kind of played there, and, yeah. you know, the only continent I haven't played on is Antarctica, so. <laughs> I, I don't, don't play much ball down there. I don't know. Like, I mean, my buddy is is wanting to set up something where we're going to go down and play in Antarctica. I guess they have a softball field at the U.S. military base, so Seriously? maybe it'll happen. I mean... you got such a small window, right? <laughs> how many all, times did the Calgarians fly down there to rescue all the doctors? That's that's the tricky thing is how to get there. I don't yeah. know, but he's he's doing the work, so we'll see. That's so if he cool. sets it up, I'll... I'll be a fan. I'll do. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, my big thing, I was telling you before the podcast, my wife's a holistic nutritionist, Baseball players isn't like a, a high energy sport where like like MMA or sprinting or football or something like that, right? It's it's, it's explosive low. though, right? Because when you got to perform, you have to ex- perform to the highest level at a split second, right? You yep. think about an outfielder catching a ball and trying to get it to first or second. That's a long throw, yep. and he's probably spent twenty five minutes wandering around with his finger Just up sitting his... there. You never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what kind of things are you guys doing to make sure that you're in prime condition? Oh, boy. I mean, that's where, I mean, the, in the minors, though, we definitely weren't probably fueling our bodies like we're supposed to. I mean, Doritos like, and Slurpees. And, and just hot dogs, pizza, <laughs> like just making, you know, struggling to kind of get by in a way, right? I mean, yes, yeah. we were getting paid, but by the time you add in rent and, you know, <laughs> food and stuff, like you are, it's yeah. not as glamorous as you think, right? But... <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was a lot of hot dogs, pizza and cheap, high calorie McDonald's and Subway and yeah. Yeah. But I mean, as far as, you know, during the game, I mean, especially as a relief pitcher, you know, I was more in the bullpen. So I never, I mean, I guess I would kind of know maybe when it was my turn to come in, especially when I was throwing well with the Vipers, I was kind of going to be their main guy to come in and get a lefty. And I kind of would know in the order, lefty, righty, lefty, who was coming up. Yeah. But I would always make sure I kind of kept my heart rate going, though. Like, I wasn't just going to get called up and then throwing from from the cold, right? So right. I always kind of make sure I was doing something in between innings, whether that was, you know, jumping jacks or sprints and just, like I said, kind of getting my heart rate going just in case I ever did get the call. Like, yeah. I, I was ready instead of just coming in cold. Yeah, yeah. No, makes sense. Makes sense. But, so I don't, you're a guy, I can ask this. How old are you? Uh, 38. 38, okay. So you're obviously in really good shape. You still look like an athlete. What are you doing now for your for your health? Um, I'll, I go to the gym. I'll go to the gym three times a week. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm still involved in baseball. I don't play anymore, though. I just, just coach. I have no interest in still playing. There's men's leagues, and <laughs> I just kind of being there, done that, and I yeah. don't need to. But, yeah, I'll go to the gym three times a week. Yeah. took me a while to get there. I think there was a few years I – actually didn't do anything and um there was a couple places I could have worked out for free yeah um after practice or you know before practice but since it was free I 
didn't, didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I go to Windsport, not that far from, from my house. And yeah. I mean, it's, I, you know, Downtown. it's not a cheap place to work out, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of needed that. Yeah. Um, and I like the, the Olymp- motivation. There's still the Olympic athletes kind of around there and that's cool. See women's bobsledders pushing way more weight than me and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> intimidating, but I needed to do that to keep just getting back in shape. And yeah. What's your goal with, with working out with, um, where you are at now? Right now. Um, some of it for me is to basically just try and stay healthy. Yeah. Um, I'll still do arm care stuff. There's, there's times where I throw BP and my arm just kind of gives out. Wow. So I almost have to. What's BP? Uh, batting practice. Okay. So I almost, once that starts to happen, I'll do the rehab and yeah, my arm starts feeling good again and then I get lazy and don't do it. So I almost have to get into a habit of doing more arm care and yeah, even like I was still playing, but now I'm coaching. So how, so how often are you throwing with coaching then? I'll probably throw batting practice at least twice a week. Okay. And it's usually for a good, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Um, That's a decent number of balls. It ends up, you probably end up throwing like 300, 400 balls. Like just, damn. I mean, it's not 100%. It's just nice and easy little little throws from like half a distance, but it does add up. It ends yeah. up, you end up throwing a lot more than you think, right? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the same as like if you go golfing for a day, you know, to do uh, 18 holes doesn't seem that bad. You get a big span between, well, if you hit any decently, you get a big span <laughs> between each hit. If you go to the driving range, you're like 30 balls is good. When you're doing them back-to-back nonstop or, you know, maybe a, a basket of 50, is that's good. But I'll hit 100 and shouldn't even say this. I'll hit 130 balls in an 18 hole. I'm not a good golfer. <laughs> so you got to hit a lot, right? It's a frustrating sport. It is. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine today. He's like, oh, I bought my clubs. I'm so upset I didn't get out that much this summer. And I'm like, I don't really want to get out that much. Like two games in a summer is fantastic. Any more than that and you hate life. <laughs> just like I suck horribly at this. A couple good shots and then I'll keep it going. <laughs> right. Every every tee shot, you hit it like you're trying to drive it to the moon. And if you get one down, that's all you need. One of those in the middle of a game, right? So I, I did long drive golf after I was done with pro baseball. So it's a, it's one of those sports that like I, I made Remax Worlds three times. Like the, mm. the talent was there. Like I can hit it far. Yeah. But I could never correlate it on a golf course or it just never I, – all I cared about was how far I could hit it and – so what's this long? I've never heard of this. So it's basically it's just it's it's like a home run derby of golf. You basically you get six balls and you See take your best one. one. Yeah, you could miss hit five, but if you hit one that's good and stays in the in the grid, which is basically kind of like a soccer field type, you know, football field, and if yeah. it stays in, that, 50, in between those lines, yeah, fifty sixty yards. Yeah, they'll take that one. That is so cool. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So it's it's just yeah it's long. Did they drive do off. it here in Calgary? Um, they they used to do the qualifiers more kind of in Red Deer, so okay. it's kind of central between Calgary and Edmonton. Yeah. Um, but Worlds is in uh, or used to be in like Mesquite, Nevada. Very cool. I think now it's in like outside of Dallas, Texas. But yeah, no, it's it's on Golf Channel. <laughs> there's a there's a tour and so I did that I'm for so, a few years. And I'm so out of the loop. That is so cool. That that is a sport I could get behind and watch. Just watching guys smash that ball. It's a little niche, right? It's just it's like I mean in baseball, there's they kind of call them like 
three o'clock hitters, like guys that can take batting practice really well and look good in BP, but then can't do it in a game. Yeah. That, that was me for golf. I can, <laughs> I can do it on our driving range and yeah. I just, I struggled. So how long golfing. were your, how long were your, um, longest drives? Yeah. Like on, on average, it'd be about 393, 385. Oh, yeah. Around there. That's insane. What are pro golfers hitting? They can't be hitting uh, that far. Maybe there's there's some guys that can put it out there, but like three thirty, okay. you know, Dustin Johnson three forty, but you know he's probably a little more accurate though, yeah. right? I'm sure he's <laughs> if he maybe took a bigger swing, he could maybe get up there three seventy. But Damn. long drive's a different. It's just a different breed. Hey, yeah, and, yeah. You so, go. What are the club rules? Exact same as PGA. Okay. So, um, it's not necessarily what PGA guys are going to swing. Like we will go like 50 max It is allowed. Yeah. But PGA guys are going to be more 46, 46 and a half, but that extra three, three and a half, that that'll create more club hit speed. Oh yeah. But yeah. if you miss hit it, <laughs> it's not pretty. Spins <laughs> no. in your hand a little bit. And yeah. yeah. That's where houses get hit. And <laughs> we, we live in a golf course <laughs> community. And so I probably collect, well, if you know Woodside at all. Yeah, I've golfed this course. Yeah, so number one hole is on the opposite side of the road from us, yep. right? Okay. So the opposite side of the, the clubhouse there. And it comes straight down beside my neighbors. And I think it's about 300 yards directly across the street from me. So right at the end of the first hole, we collect five or six balls a year in my front yard. So they're going hard left over the so houses. Could have been one of mine. I'm probably. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put your stamp on them, and I'll put them out in the summertime. Everyone come collect all their extra balls. I don't need that many. <laughs> There's no Sidearm Nation logo on my golf balls. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to promote that badly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell us about Sidearm Nation because I was reading a little bit about it. You guys do online lessons, which is <laughs> super super cool because <laughs> you don't see a lot of that. Um, you'll see some of it with like the fitness people and the dietary people, <laughs> but not in actual sports. Uh, obviously, the coaching. So you'll do that online as well, and then the recruiting. I didn't really understand. So basically, through the site, I've connected with enough college coaches, um, especially looking for sidearm submarine pitchers. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I'll be able to kind of help um, a high school kid that's trying to get recruited to a college, or a college guy trying to play pro baseball. Okay. Um, yeah, just basically kind of. In a way, like their agent, in a way or advisor, and yeah. help find them the right fit. That's so cool. Yeah, no, it's it's been fun just to kind of help out. Um, you know, especially a sidearm pitcher to kind of help him make it in college and see where it goes from there. It's it's yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. So with the the online um, coaching that you guys do, are you guys sharing videos back and forth, like FaceTiming, and you're watching them throw, and then you're giving them some techniques? And yep. Yeah, a lot of it's just kind of some feedback. Um, I'll get some video and, you know, whether, yeah, phone call or Skype or whatever, and just go over kind of some mechanics that they need to work on and kind of follow up. And Yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically just kind of some online feedback. Um, Very cool. There, there's there's other guys doing that in baseball, but not necessarily sidearm submarine pitching. So it's just a just a little bit a little bit different. I mean, there's some mechanics that are the same, but there's yeah. some stuff that's a little bit different. I think it's so cool when you find something that 
it's maybe not even your own, but you're just specializing so much and you figured out how to make a living at doing that. I'm always blown away by guys that, you know, you listen to a good comedian and they take a joke and then they just, they can take that joke six more steps. You know what I mean? Like they just really dig in and find the, every piece they can. And uh, me and Eric were talking about it as we're reading through your website. And it's like, well, he's got the shirts, he's got the online, like you've, you've utilized everything in your life. And it wasn't necessarily the plan with it. Like originally it was kind of the interviews, like basically kind of like a free ebook in a way. Like I've yeah. interviewed kind of overall 200, probably 50 former big leaguers, AAA guys. Nice. And that was kind of the original intention. And then it turned into camps and yeah, like you said, kind of the apparel part, the online part. So yeah. definitely realized that it was kind of a niche market and do you ran do any, with it a little bit. Do you do any announcing or anything? You got a good voice for a radio for announcing. That'd no, be a great spot for no, you. I haven't. So, no? you do it. You're gonna do a podcast now. <laughs> you, you know, the funny thing is, I, I I thought about doing a podcast, and I actually, you know, maybe I'll have to give him trouble, but my buddy was gonna do it for me. Yeah, um, didn't actually come to fruition. I, I just didn't have the time to do it myself. Yeah, um, especially once I got hired on by the UFC, that kind of took over a lot of my time. Yeah, um. Didn't didn't come. <laughs> didn't happen. I'll have to bug him again. But. Well, I got a producer. He, he's young. He's pretty reasonable. We'll, we'll get him producing a show for you down the road. Pay him in shirts. Pay him in shirts, yeah. <laughs> we, we we talked about a little while ago that um, um, we'll eventually get him his own company. And so when we got real sponsors, he's set up properly, but we're going to call it Monkey Productions. <laughs> <laughs> My wife started that when he was, I don't know, maybe three or four. But he's like me. We're built like orangutans. We're all arms and legs, and pipe cleaners. <laughs> yeah, look at no, that. That was, that was me. <coughs> yeah, I uh, I got made fun of my whole life for being like skinny and lanky. And then you get into MMA, and they're like, "How'd you get so strong?" I'm like, "I don't even know." Like, I got pipe cleaners. I can't believe that they can even do what they do, but they do. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think I was. Probably six three one sixty going into college as a freshman, wow. just a beanpole. Bean yeah. pole, but yeah. I didn't touch any weights till I was a freshman in university and started to get a little bit stronger, especially my legs and stuff. Yeah, I guess a lot of that is going to be. I think about pitching like, uh, and actually, I talk about this um, when I was teaching martial arts and self defense. Is that I talk about it like pulling the energy out of the ground. So when you push mm-hmm. off that back foot, it's mm-hmm. like you're sucking the energy out of the earth. And if you don't pull with that foot and move that hip and like everything line up in your punch, it just doesn't have the same power. And you watch some of the, like the, the best strikers in the world, this would be the same as the best pitcher because someone like Vandalay Silva, he punches like he's throwing a baseball. Like it just wads up that hand and hucks it as hard as he can. Not a lot of technique, but a lot of power. <laughs> but you look at like someone like uh, Mayweather that just throws him beautifully, but you watch the mechanics of the body. And that's got to be what and, you guys are. And that's that's baseball, like pitching, hitting. Like it's it's your lower half yeah. doing the work. Your, your upper half is almost just along for the ride. And yeah. that's where I maybe got in trouble, especially hurting my arm. Yeah. When, when I felt like I was throwing hard and it felt like my arm was doing more of the work, I was prob- I was completely yeah. forgetting about my lower half. But the games where I wasn't even throwing hard or didn't feel like I was throwing hard and I was yeah. probably using my legs more, yeah, those are the games that I was actually throwing hard. 
Yeah, exactly. And it was just kind of effortless. I talked about that, and maybe I'm I'm obviously not a high end uh, martial arts coach, but I like when I throw a punch, I feel like my body is hucking my arm, mm-hmm. not that my arm is doing hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And trying to get people to understand that when you're throwing a punch or a kick, like it's not actually your leg doing the kick it's your body throwing that leg around or your hips chucking your hand forward yep yeah yeah so that's basically the same yeah that's so cool and i and even like like when i did golf it was the same thing when my lower half was doing more of the work that was when the ball was just flying off but when i started to overswing and use my upper body too much those were in the bad snap hooks and (laughs) you can feel the swelling and the pain (laughs) coming in Yeah, yeah yeah So um, is that something you do with the online coaching as well, is move them towards more um, uh, using their legs, weightlifting, all that kind of yep. stuff? I mean, obviously, you don't find a lot of thick pitchers. They're, they're longer, lankier. Yeah, guys, kind right? of taller, lankier, and, but definitely like strong core. That's yeah. a big thing, strong core, legs, and, 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 and for a lot of pitchers, just starting to hopefully learn how to use their legs. And, yeah. You know, and I... Don't do as much coaching anymore with younger kids. I'll still do some lessons here and there, but that's kind of one of the bigger things that we're, if we can catch them, catch them younger, yeah, to start using their legs when they throw, yeah. Hopefully, that'll kind of make their baseball career longer. It's insane when you watch young kids. Like if you get in them early, and obviously, there's probably lots of people that talked about this with you as well. Um, when you get them excited early, the the growth that you can get out of them with a good coach is insane. Yep. No, absolutely. And I, I was pretty fortunate. I had some pretty good coaching growing up and guys that made the game fun. Yeah. You know, I've seen some coaches out there that a little bully abusive and, yeah. you know, verbally abusive. And That's not fun. Had one of those my freshman year of college. He was a Vietnam vet and just, <laughs> just not, didn't, didn't enjoy it. And yeah. transferred to a different school and made it fun again. And I just... Yeah, I mean, you got to make sure you you enjoy what you're doing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just just a game. That's it. I mean, I mean, especially obviously with our university guys, it's you know, it's a higher level. But I mean, I still, I still am pretty grounded as far as you know. At the end of the day, it is just a game. Yeah, you know, I I want our guys to work hard, and if they compete, it's all I can ask for, right? And the university guys don't get paid at all, though, right? No. And the university, so this is a, I was listening to a podcast about football players, university football players, and this is more the states and Canada, I think. Mm-hmm. But obviously the university um, charge for tickets, they yep. rent a field, they make money off of the university players. Baseball, probably not that big of an issue because they're getting to do something they love. They're going to university, they're getting educated. They're not killing themselves. In football, some of these guys are, are literally killing themselves, um, getting hit and in a there. Pretty short career too, right? Or yeah. yeah, what's a long career for a baseball player? Um, probably you know, like there's there's some MLB pitchers, give or take. Like if they're able to make it kind of till thirty five. I mean, most of those guys have had arm problems at some point in their career. You know, as a pitcher, elbow, shoulder. I'm sure, right? Yeah. But I mean, kind of mid thirties would be a Pretty good career for a lot of guys. That's Some cool. guys will make it till forty, but yeah, <laughs> that's pushing it. But you don't ever see, or you don't see very many football players making it that far. <laughs> Maybe kicker, but kicker, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a quarterback. Yeah, an old, yeah, Tom Brady definitely. Yeah, the exception there, doesn't, but doesn't get hit as long as they don't get hit too much. Then they'll be doing all right. Yeah, you see MMA fighters make it till forty all the time now. Hmm. Uh, Anderson Silva. Um, yeah. 
uh, Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz. Like there, there's a lineup of guys at forty. I think there's still a few guys fighting right now. I don't know how they do that. That's insane, right? <laughs> Just the training and yeah, commitment. That's no, that's impressive. It's a long ways to go. You look at the. Um, I wanted to ask you. So you're obviously not coaching the youth anymore, but you took the. Um, was it the Calgary U15 mm-hmm. to Cuba? Yep. What was that like? Um, pretty fun trip. Like honestly, for for a lot of those kids, I think just to just to see what that country's like, and just I mean, for a lot of our kids, unfortunately, they maybe seem to get a little spoiled. You know, here's a brand new glove, a brand new bat, right? And yeah, um, took a 16U team to Dominican Republic too, and actually we took our UFC team to Dominican just this spring in March. So okay. for all those groups, hopefully, just kind of cool for them to see, like, you know, all these kids with a cardboard glove and playing with sticks right and like i mean there's a reason why dominicans are such they're so passionate and good at baseballs and once they do have a glove and play on a nice field it's almost easy for them like yeah but just how how poor it is in some of those countries and you know definitely hopefully those kids can realize just not to take things for granted really and yeah but pretty pretty cool places to go and just kind of compete against those kids too and yeah they got a real passion for it in those countries too right because they would probably view it as their only way out otherwise you know communist country you're limited for food and resources um and do you watch mma at all Uh, a little bit yep there's a guy named yoel romero from cuba and he looks like they carved him out of stone like and he's another 40 something that's going for the belt here soon um, so incredible. But he says everybody in Cuba has the same DNA. Like they're all look like they're athletes. He goes, you pull some guy out of a cab, he looks like an athlete. Um, but th- that's all they've done their whole life, right, is driven for whatever uh, cab driver driven. That's <laughs> very punny. Um, uh, though they, they're, they're limited in their resources, so they push hard at everything they do. Did you see anything down there with the baseball players that made you think there was something sketchy going on? Because with the MMA fighters, there definitely is. Um, I mean, maybe not necessarily Cuba per se, but I used to coach um, the Canadian Ripken World Series team. So it was a 12 and under championship. Yeah. Um, Whenever we played some of those Latin American countries like Dominican Republic and Mexico, they weren't 12 and under. They were... Probably, I'm going to say 14, 15, and just, just are, lied about the age. I, I mean, some of it from from what I've been told, like they're the year they almost go by when they were baptized. Oh, so if they were two when they were baptized, that's their new birth, their new age. Yeah, like I mean, so okay. some there there has been some players that have got caught with that though. Like they signed as a 17 year old prospect, but then all of a sudden find out four years later they're not the 21-year-old prospect. They're, they were actually 25, you know. So there's been some players that have got caught with it. And yeah, you could definitely see it with some of these kids that they weren't yeah. they weren't 14 or 15. They were <laughs> clearly bigger than our kids. Yeah. The, um, uh, so what happens in boxing and MMA down there is you get put into a house. So it's a big step if you've got any ability at all. And you start in the bottom floor of the house or the apartment. You're limited for food, no blankets, no clothing. Like, it's bare minimum. But as you win, you get to move up floors. You get beds. You get better food. You get more food. And everybody in the house fights. So the guy that you're sleeping beside, you're going to fight him the next day. 
which means you're going to take his food away or you're going to take his bed away or whatever. And that's like literally, <laughs> literally. So as you become a better boxer, all the guys you're beating up are staying on bottom floor, but you're moving up. You're now get girls and better food and, you know, better beds and trips out of the country. And then all of a sudden you don't come back. You hit the top floor, <laughs> get shipped to the U.S. New and you're like, thank you guys. And <laughs> you just stay where you are and fight. And so Yoel did a podcast where he talked about this growing up where like he had to beat up his friends and he had to. And so I was just wondering how hmm. it was that kind of competition in the baseball or if you like, saw that in the kids. Maybe not necessarily Cuba, but I know Dominican Republic, like there's a lot of academies and kind of similar, maybe obviously not the, the fighting part, but I mean, there are fighting for each you know, positions and stuff in the academy too. And, and so I, I guess we do that here too though, right? Yeah. There's some, there's some politics here too. And, um, but definitely a little more hunger over there too, right? Like it, it is like, I mean, obviously the UFC, like guys are competing for spots in the fall, yeah, making varsity versus junior varsity, but it's not the same, I'm sure as what's going on in these academies in the Dominican, as far as like, that's, that's yeah. going to be their life, right? You're not going like, to lose your food or your house. No. Yeah. Um, you know, our guys still have a degree to hopefully fall back on, whereas these guys, I mean, in the Dominican, like, they're, that's that's it in a way. If they don't, then hopefully yeah. they can get into tourism, but... Like, <laughs> that's the only real, yeah, benefit they have. Anything that you can travel or meet people from out of the country. Yeah, and we met a couple guys, like our the bellhop at the hotel got up to, I think, double A and... That was his dream, but was lucky enough he kind of spoke English and kind of wanted to learn English, and then he was able to get a pretty decent job when he came back. So Very cool. What did you take in university? What was your degree? Um, I took uh, my – I went to junior college. Yeah. So I um, went to North Idaho College in Coeur d'Alene, um, graduated with uh, basically just a general arts and science. <laughs> Um, basically junior college in the States, not going to lie. It's like high school in Canada, grade, oh, grade yeah. 11 all over again. Okay. Yeah. Very easy. Not very challenging. No. I heard we got a really good education system, but until you meet people <laughs> no, that have gone through the other side. Um, went to Northern Kentucky university and took phys ed. Yeah. Um, didn't graduate, didn't get my four year there, but I'm not going to like, it, like when I went back to Mount Royal just to do a year, Yeah. they would only, they only took one out of my four years in the States. Really? So, I mean, that's, that's the tricky thing. I know a lot of, a lot of young kids in, in, in Alberta, Canada, they want to go down the States and play collegiate baseball. And, and I get some of that. I mean, that was me when I was younger, yeah. but the education part at UFC is definitely a, it's a strong, strong pull for a lot of kids. I mean, we've, yeah. we've got a few kids that went down the States for a year and realized like, oh, this isn't what I, what we thought. And, now they're they're back with us so yeah buck a load of money out the door (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i know nku isn't exactly like a harvard or stanford i'm sure there's definitely good schools too in the states but i was more there for baseball (laughs) (laughs) the um, i was definitely there for baseball we were facilitating a course right now for our community and it's called uh, financial peace uh, by dave ramsey and they just talk about finances and how to budget properly and, and all that it's very cool but it's all American based. So a lot of hmm. the inf- most of the information is really, really good and transfers over well. But they talk so much about not taking student loans out in the US because it's just, they basically are 
you know, imprisoning you for the rest of your life. You know, it's not a low interest loan. It's a bucket load of money and there's nothing you can do to get out of that loan. Yeah. Our, our hitting coach drew, I think he just finished paying it off like last, last year. And, and how old is he? 39. Oh. <laughs> so. And his were American ones or Canadian ones? He went Americans. to the States. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the mafia. Down there. <laughs> <laughs> I was fortunate enough scholarship wise, pretty lucky you know i mean one of the reasons why i did go to the schools i did um you know especially um kind of the junior college route but i mean like i said looking back at it though i it was yeah grade 11 over again wow i was basically tutoring my team when i (laughs) wasn't a good student in high school but i didn't necessarily apply myself in high school but definitely became a tutor in junior college for some That's reason awesome. but <laughs> well, obviously you got coaching in in, uh, in your heart right took uh, I mean it took me a while to get there honestly I, I did need a few years off when I was done pro baseball yeah um did the golf thing that kind of maybe kept my athletic part going but um once I got into coaching though I realized that um yeah no, I, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed seeing kids get better and um, put the work in and I enjoyed helping out the kids that that wanted to be there. And yeah. so I did start kind of coaching younger kids and it just kind of gradually moved up and moved up. And then, yeah, now I'm getting to coach the university kids. So yeah. it's, it's fun. Are, is this so like a, a long-term plan for you is the coaching? I, I definitely would, uh, I definitely see myself, yeah, doing this for, as long as I can, yeah. I, I, I'm enjoying the university gig, and um, I mean, I guess for me, UC kind of is a special place in my heart. And you know, I, I was kind of involved. Um, this will be their 20th anniversary next year, and I was. It was kind of just kind of a men's league team to start. So when I came back from school, my freshman year, I kind of played for them in the summer, and yeah. so to kind of see the program grow, and especially being from Calgary, and yeah kind of want to I'm curious to see where we can where we can take the the University of Calgary program it's it's been in last place the past 15 years and you got no place to go but up well that's the thing so (laughs) I mean my my coaching staff I'm very very fortunate you know I got some great coaches behind me and we're all on the same page and 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 want to see the program kind of be what it should be yeah could be so that's so cool. It's been fun. What was it like for you growing up in Calgary? What part of the city did you grow up in? Uh, I was northwest, so scenic acres. Yep. No, well, I do construction here, so I know all the neighborhoods. <laughs> so more, I guess for me, more familiar with the northwest. Yeah. It's kind of where, you know, where I grew up and where I still am now. And Yeah. Um, but I guess that's where pretty close to the university and was always around, always drove by the university. So yeah. to get to work there now, it's it's cool. Did you come from a well-educated family? Um, yeah, both my parents graduated from the University of Alberta. My dad was a—he's an engineer, and they're fun. They definitely <laughs> <laughs> might have skipped a generation some of that uh, engineering yeah. part, but we—I—I I, I totally understand <laughs> engineers. They're—they are smart, but. Some of them lack the practical part of it, so we tease them nonstop at work. Um, we, I'll just tell the story quickly. In spray foam, we have this thing called a non-vented roof system. And so the city of Calgary didn't let us do it forever. They're like, no, it can't be done. You have to have a vented attic. 
and I'm sure nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but we knew it was a better system, so we eventually talked to City into allowing us to do it. And they're like, okay, we'll let you do it, but you have to have an engineer sign off on it. So we said, yeah, that's fine. So we talked to a couple engineering firms, and they're like, yeah, we can uh, we can write a letter for you, put the stamp on it. I'm like, that's fantastic. The city of Calgary says, well, you have to inspect it. And the engineers come to me and go, how do we inspect foam? <laughs> so I had to show them how to inspect the foam, and now they charge me $850 to inspect the foam. But we get the system passed, <laughs> and we're doing something better, so it's all good. Um, it worked out in the end. But, yeah, those are the things that you go, What? I have to show them so they can charge me. And the city's like, yes, you do. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. I told you the dog would bark on the podcast. <laughs> and what did your mom graduate with? Um, she was more like kind of home economics. Awesome. Um, so she she was kind of more of a homemaker, um, but then would do like some side. Maybe that's where my entrepreneurial was with kind of more my mom. Like she would do like a side business and she would cool knit sweaters and knit knit teddy bears and so that's definitely that's yeah. kind of her passion but would always do that on the side so i think maybe just seeing my mom doing her little entrepreneurial yeah. side business kind of maybe maybe making stuck the most, in my head i guess maybe. making the most of every moment yep i love that there's i try to teach this to people because i didn't have it growing up and i sort of learned it late in life but i had the opportunity through the podcast and through my work and, and a few other uh, mentors in our community where like they, people will make the most of every moment of their day. Like we don't watch TV anymore. We canceled our cable because there's other better things to do with our lives. So I love seeing other people going after stuff that way. And uh, I'm sure there's lots of people that are like, Oh, he's probably got piles of money and he does this and he's free. And I'm like, ah, you know what? That's way less than what you think it is for almost everybody. Everybody's doing the grind, right? The, mm-hmm. The 1% of the 1% or the, the GSPs or the, you know, the top end of uh, Major League Baseball or any other sport. There's very, very few of those. Yeah, no, there's um, there's a lot of guys not willing to put in the extra work, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I guess I see it all the time coaching-wise. There's a lot of kids that will put in the work when you're watching them, but right. then as soon as you turn your back, they're not going to do it. <laughs> right. or, or when they go home. I guess that's kind of turned the back in a way, but it's the guys that will actually do the work when the coaches Stay aren't an watching. Extra half hour after practice yep. and huck balls, or or bats. actually do the reps that they're supposed to instead of just a couple <laughs> that look good when the coach is watching, and then yeah, I'm done. Right? Yeah, those are the guys that aren't going to go anywhere. You can you can have all the talent in the world, you can throw hard, but yeah, yeah, if you're lazy, probably not going to go anywhere. How do you convince people to have that drive? <laughs> Some of that, honestly, you can try your best to teach it, but it, a lot of that is kind of self. I mean, yeah. you either some guys have it or they don't yeah. you know, in a sad way. I mean, hopefully some guys might not get that till later on. Yeah. But, I mean, I think for a lot of guys, I mean, and some of that's on, on them. I, I don't think, I mean, that's where that's the tricky thing as a coach. You, you want to help that out, but, yeah. I mean, you, you can't force that on a, on a player. I said that to uh, Jody Giles, one of the ladies that we've had on the podcast a couple of times. She's all about motivation and self-growth. And, and I grew up, the reason we have I Want to Know is because I don't know nothing. I grew up <laughs> very ignorant, uh, not well-educated, mm-hmm. from a family that wasn't well-driven, just the, the blue-collar, you know, do your nine hours, go and watch TV. Like that's. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I met people, I see this drive, and I'm like, why did nobody tell me about this? And she goes, well, would you have listened? And I went, 
I don't know, probably not. <laughs> so you, you yeah. can't even be mad that no one told you. But I think we can share this stuff and like the the benefits, the drive, the you know how you feel when you get up in the morning. You don't. I imagine most of your days isn't slogging out a bag on. Ah, I got to go coach baseball today. And and honestly, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, when you get paycheck, it's nice. But like, I yeah. mean, it doesn't feel like I'm going to work. You yeah. know, I get to coaching a game or get to go coach a practice, you know, sidearm nation doesn't, with doesn't feel like work. Hang out with a bunch of dudes <laughs> that like doing what you do and yep. travel to and getting to see different places all over the world. And, yeah. you know, I took a team to Europe this summer and doesn't feel like work. I can't complain. <laughs> yeah. you know? So where does the Dinos play then? Is it just a Canadian league? So it's a seven-team Western Canadian Conference. Okay. So Edmonton, Lethbridge, Kelowna, Kamloops, Nanaimo, and Fraser Valley. And so you travel all of those cities throughout the season, playing games, and then obviously going to your finals. Yep. What's the so you you make it to the top of your finals, and then what? Uh, after the conference championship, that's that's it for us. There's not like a Worlds or no. They they've they've tried to get like an East Coast winner versus a West Coast winner, but their season goes on right now in okay. the, in the East Coast. Ours right now is just fall ball. It means absolutely nothing. It's just exhibition games, and guys can showcase for us, and okay, doesn't mean anything. Where and then they're they're done. Once they're done, right now. Whereas we go all winter, train, get better, stronger, yeah. and then our season starts kind of end of February, beginning of March, okay, and goes till mid-May. Yeah, so it'd be nice to do an actual Canadian championship, but it'll, I mean, it sounds good on paper, but it, it'll never, it'll never happen. Stars aren't going to line up no. for that. No. What's it like? So obviously, we maybe this isn't a good question. The um, do you have enough guys that you actually have to cut, or are you barely putting your team together every year? Um. So. Since I took over, we went from, we had 28 guys. Yeah. And then now, last year, we had 53. Oh, wow. So we started a junior varsity team last year. Yeah. So basically, no one gets cut. So even this fall, you know, we got, give or take, kind of 50 guys. No one no one will get cut from those 50 guys. So they'll be either, either, either in junior They'll or either make varsity yeah. or junior varsity. Okay. So... You know, our goal with the junior varsity guys, some guys it might take longer than others, but is to get all of them on varsity at some point in their college career. Some guys it might be after one year, some guys it might be two, and yeah, some guys it might be after four, but <laughs> or even not, I guess. or some guys, yeah, like we had a few guys last year that just played JV for one year and realized that they would never make varsity, but yeah, at least we gave them an opportunity to compete for a year and yeah. see if college baseball was for them, and it wasn't. Yeah. Some some guys do struggle with that student athlete balance, you know, yeah. managing their time. And I think a lot of freshmen, it's kind of a shock for them to realize, like, oh yeah, this is five six days a week of baseball, and then on top of it, Studies. school and maybe so, a part time job, and and some of that too, right? Just to help, yeah, kind of supplement. They do, you know. And we got some guys on our team. I'm. It's very impressive. Like. One of our one of our players is in neuroscience and taking fifteen credits and oh, classes I can't even <laughs> I don't even I every time he mentions yeah, he had a midterm the other day and I didn't even know what it was in. So <laughs> I don't even We uh, I, neuroscience impresses me to no end. Like the the people that are thinking about the way our brain works, I'm 
been talking to a neuroscientist out of Lethbridge, I think, and I'm trying to get her on the podcast because I want to know what they're thinking about, <laughs> what they're looking at. I just, it blows my mind. What are you think about, like, we're just talking about drive, about coaching. Like, if you can figure out how to make that stuff work through neuro- neuroscience, it's one little switch. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which switch, though? <laughs> make a lot of money. <laughs> Have you heard of uh, Nine Volt Nirvana? Okay, so uh, this is on uh, Radio Lab. It's a, a podcast I listen to all the time, and they'll what these people are doing is biohacking, and they're putting like um, what are those pads called for um, uh, electro stim? Uh, stem, yeah, okay, yeah, right, like for phys- like the same for, for physio, physio. Yeah. but they'll put it on their head with a nine volt battery and run nine volts of power into their brain and try to do something different. So, oh. lots of people have gone blind short term, <laughs> they've passed out, they've done all kinds of bad things to their brain, but there's a few people that have dialed that it in, and so there was a um, a journalist that came out of England to study these guys in. Um, California, the University of California that are doing this and they're electrifying the brain with very low voltage and they're seeing how long does it take this person to learn a language compared to the next person. And some people are like picking up whole languages in like three or four hours. So this journalist came in to do a story and they're like, hey, we want to do a test with you. She's like, whatever it is, 50 hours of travel to get to this university, no sleep, hasn't got to her hotel room. They're like, you're going to come in and play this video game. And it was a first shooter game and you got zombies or whatever coming at you and you shoot them and it starts very, very slow and easy. But then all of a sudden they're coming from different angles and more and more and more and more. And the stress gets like outrageous, especially if you're tired. And so 20 minutes and she was done. She couldn't handle it anymore. She shut down. And then they stuck this helmet on her with the electrodes in it and plugged in a 9-volt battery. She did two and a half hours and never missed a shot. Hmm. It just they knew where to stimulate her brain, where she could do this game. And she got done the game, and she's like, wow, that was a lot easier this time. They're like, no, 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 you went like 10 levels higher. And you did two hours. She's like, no. But didn't like, feel like someone it. tricked me. They moved the clock. They did whatever. She felt like she did 20 minutes. Hmm. I need so, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do not look up. Don't start stimulating your brain that way. Just eat the food your mom tells you so to. Maybe something for the UC baseball program. There you go. Like, light these guys up and Bring see if they can throw faster. Bring that up my athletic director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just do a huh. little biohacking on the side. <laughs> maybe don't do it. Just make a suggestion like, hey, if you guys figure this out, then maybe you can play baseball better and you guys can go from last place to first just place. Just be in the zone. Just in the zone, yeah. Huh. And that's what she said it felt like. She goes, other than the taste of aluminum in her mouth, <laughs> which probably knocked her filling out or something, that uh, she... She goes, that was the only thing that she felt differently other than the focus. Like Hmm. the tiredness went away. She was able to concentrate. She was able to be more accurate, not missing shots. And her stress level went down. But they had figured out what part of her brain to do that to. Hmm. So I think between what these uh, biohackers are doing and what Elon Musk is doing, we're like, we're so close to the matrix. That's impressive. (laughs) We're going to (laughs) plug us in. (laughs) So yeah, I think neuroscientists are amazing. Like, obviously, from a baseball standpoint, there's always been talk about, you know, steroids. That's always, that was pretty yeah. prevalent. And, um, you know, the other thing is like Adderall and greenies. Yeah. What are greenies? Uh, I know what Adderall is. I mean, it's, it's basically just a combination of Adderall, caffeine. Okay. 
probably some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a little speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I mean, it's, 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 it's there. It's in baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always that question mark of trying to become a better athlete. Yeah. You know, and if every, like the level playing field, like if it was legal, if everyone could do it. Yeah. I was just going to ask, like, what is your stance on it? Is like, why is taking vitamin B and mushrooms okay, but taking steroids is not? I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they just like open, like, hey, you can take whatever you want. You know, I mean, I guess the tricky thing is like a guy like Barry Bonds. Yeah. You know, very good hitter, took steroids became an even better hitter but it's not like you take steroids and just become a good hitter though like a lot of the guys that end you up you have to taking, put the work in anyways you still have to know how to hit the baseball right yeah. i mean i know some guys that did take steroids usually you know you know it's the number three catcher and can't hit right per se but i mean <laughs> right. it got bigger and stronger but still can't hit yeah obviously a guy like barry bonds could hit and once he got bigger and stronger, it just it's start knocking about way different. You're right, you're right. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I know guys that have gained miles per hour and <laughs> throw harder, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're a better pitcher per se. But it'll help. Right. It'll it'll definitely help open the door, though. Right, as soon as they start throwing harder, scouts will be more interested. And yeah, but doesn't necessarily could mean, lead to better coaching. Could lead to a bunch of stuff. Right. Yep. Yeah. I I don't know. I like. I think in most sports, I'm not opposed to it. Like, who cares if they're doing it in the Tour de France? Like, good on you. Like, you could ride. All it's the, impressive what it, they do. Or, it's impressive, know. right? And and no matter how much steroids you do, you still have to put the time on the bike. You still mm-hmm. have to endure the mental part of it. I don't like it when football, when you're using it to hurt somebody or in, in a combat sport where, you know, if one's on steroids and the other one's isn't, the risk of energy is true. Is, that's uh, true. Dramatic, right? But and baseball, soccer. Some of the baseball is it is actually some of the recovery. You yeah. know, like I mean, they, they are playing 162 games in a year at the, at the highest level. Yeah. You know, so I know that was one of the biggest things as far as back in the 90s. A lot of guys were taking illegal stuff. I yeah. mean, it technically wasn't illegal for MLB, but that's the whole. That's another. <laughs> it's not in the rules. Yeah, but. It, a lot of it was just to kind of help get them through the season. Yeah. You know, 162 games in six months and, you know, guys are getting hurt, but it just, that's kind of what helped them get through the season. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I have a hard time believing it's okay to give it to someone under 25. Hmm. Um, if you're over 25 and you're an adult and your brain's fully developed and like, have at it, do whatever you want to do. Like it's your life as long as you're not hurting other people. If that helps you get to the, Next level. Yeah. Or even just to be healthy. Like you said, if it's just for recovery, like mm-hmm. maybe you're not swallowing four D balls a day and, you know, trying to look like a gorilla. You're just, right? That you're just like, I just need a little bit so I can actually heal before my next game. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know. I don't, I don't find anything necessarily that wrong with that. My wife, um, she did track and field. So that's another sport that it's, Always, you know, question mark or who's taking it, who's not taking it. So we'll definitely, it's a conversation that we've had a lot. Like, and and she never did and I never did, but maybe regret not trying it, I guess, maybe. You know, even, you know, herself, she wasn't, she didn't make the Olympics, but was pretty darn close. Like went to Worlds and won the 2004 400 meter and her time wasn't good enough. 
from the Canadian standpoint to go to the Olympics, but yeah. maybe if she took steroids, she would have shaved off a you know a little bit and got to go to the Olympics. So well, there's the we always have that conversation. Right? Yeah, no, like, and I guess I yeah I I from yeah moral standpoint I yeah. I didn't want to take it, but yeah, looking back know. at it, you never know. But I, I could argue both sides yeah. of that all day long. I think because you know it. it Honestly, what's the difference if you're you're enhancing your body in any way you can, right? If it's massage, if it's supplements, if it's food, like if you eat elk over beef, that's a definite jump in protein levels and energy levels and stuff like that. That should that be illegal? What if you shoot up your <laughs> cow with steroids? Should that be illegal? <laughs> I don't know where the limit is. So yeah, I don't know. I uh, it'd be fun to see a league where you're like, you know what, dude, Just go do whatever open... you want to do. Which there's a couple leagues like that, and yeah, yeah, I think in Mexico it's almost <laughs> free and no testing. And in the MMA, there's quite a few leagues that they let you do that. Pride back in the day and Risen now. There's MMA fighters that talk where it literally said in bold print, "We don't care if you do steroids." <laughs> and as you were signing your contract, they're like, "Oh," and they're kind of like, "Yeah, we don't care." And here's a little bottle. <laughs> Just let you do whatever you want. So guys are coming in, juice to the nines. Um, there's a guy. His name is Bob Sapp. Uh, I, think I remember that name. Football guy, right? He was a football yeah. player, and then he went into MMA. I think he was like 6'6", 420. Like, biggest man. You could, he, he could throw four he punches. and <laughs> He likes <laughs> fitness and Mexican supplements. <laughs> for sure. He was huge. Um, but he could throw four punches, and then he was winded. He had hands on knees, bent over, <laughs> ready to die. Um, but it was fun watching those fights. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll follow it once in a while. I, I was watching actually on the weekend, and there was that match. I forget, I don't I, name wise, I don't know, but I think it was that former football player. But he took an inhaler. Did you hear oh, about that on Saturday? Yes, um, I, I didn't actually get to see the main event. I was only watching the disqualified undercard. for that. He would have, he won, but then I guess the ref gave a, the go ahead to take it. But then afterwards, Dana White said that you can't, right. you can't take that. I yeah, mean, the ref maybe kind of messed up there too, but. Or the commissioner, the state commissioner, but yeah, I guess afterwards it became a no contest because he took an inhaler. I mean, <laughs> well, they have steroids in him, right? Or so. you never know. Yeah, or like if he's out of shape, then that's probably on him for the training. <laughs> right. or, you got asthma. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the sport for you. Um, uh, so I've never seen that before. When I yeah, well they 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 used to disqualify everybody for marijuana as well, cannabis. So if you were caught, the Diaz brothers were famous for smoking it after a fight and. Um, uh, they got, I'm trying to remember how the story went. I think it was Nick Diaz. They tested him after the fight and they said he was so, had so much cannabis in his system. There's no way he wasn't high when he was fighting. Hmm. And is it, a a, a sport enhancing? Is it a performance enhancing? I don't, don't think it is. No. But it worked for him. And that's something I always kind of, I struggle with because Every time I got drug tested in, in junior college and university, um, it was always for marijuana. It was never for <laughs> steroids. So, I mean, we had guys on our JUCO that were taking steroids, but they yeah. were, I mean, obviously it's a cheaper test, I think, for the school. But, yeah, yeah, they were only catching That's guys for marijuana, but not necessarily a performance enhancing like a steroid. So yeah. I never... Well, in the States, they Never seem to that. really want to punish for, for cannabis, right? Like, there's states down there that if you go to jail, you're never allowed to vote again. Mm. And they know the largest 
base of that population smokes cannabis. So they make cannabis illegal so they can take away writing, voting rights. Have you heard of this? I've seen a documentary. I think it was talking <laughs> it's about scary that. It's all get out. You talk about racism. Holy <laughs> Dinah. Florida, I think, is the number one spot. So, you know, large population. They won't legalize it. No, I, I, well, it might go national now. I don't know, but yeah, right now nationally, it's still illegal, and only a few of the, um, I was going to say provinces, stupid, a few of the states, that, providences. <laughs> there you go, yeah, exactly. So, how did you feel about the the cannabis thing getting legalized in Canada? Um, I mean, honestly, for me, I mean, it doesn't necessarily impact me. Not necessarily. You know, I'm not prevalent in my family or anything like that or around it very often. But, I mean, it's one of those things, I guess, when I was over in, you know, I played over in Europe and Holland and it's obviously prevalent over there. And, I mean, I think as long as you're safe with it, I don't see an issue. I mean, it's the same as alcohol, really. And, you know, I mean, I guess if people are doing it anyway or, you know, a way to kind of make it a little more... I don't think it encouraged more Say, people to do drugs. No. Right? I and guess mentally, it, it, nothing changed. I don't know. I guess I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. I've done a few podcasts with uh, um, dispensary. I don't know if we were even allowed to call them that, but anyway, uh, cannabis store mm-hmm. owners. What did she? Do you remember what they said? You weren't here. We didn't. You weren't part of it. They were talking about the amount of elderly that come in to do it, and like hmm. someone will bring their sixty-year-old mom in, and like, can we get some CBD oil? And the grandma's like, no, no, the THC oil. <laughs> and they're like, no, mom, you mean CBD? CBD? And they're like, no, I don't. <laughs> and so you find all these old ladies that are getting stoned all day long. <laughs> the, I don't know. Huh. It's probably I mean, been happening the whole time anyways. I I did a camp in Denver, I guess that was last summer, and it was kind of new to Denver. I think it just got yeah. legalized maybe at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And there definitely was complaints in Denver, I think, um, just seemed to kind of change their city or their downtown a little bit and not necessarily unsafe, but yeah. had... Some drifters, you know, and just kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. So maybe in my mind, that's kind of what I was expecting in Calgary or, but nothing, I don't, I don't know, nothing's happening. No, yeah, no. I know the biggest thing in um, uh, Denver was, is because nationally they're not allowed to, um, so the banks aren't allowed to collect cannabis money because nationally it's still illegal. Oh. So all the banks are ruled nationally instead of uh, by the state, and so none of the banks accept their money. So these guys are making tens of thousands of dollars every day in cash. They can't put it in a bank. So a lot of people move there to collect cash from cannabis stores. Huh. And so these guys had to go out and hire soldiers to protect their stores and their money, and so that brought some violence in. Okay, that would make Right? Sense. So if you know that all the guys that's making... You know, $50,000 a day selling cannabis, can't put his money in the bank. Well, we just have to find out where his money is. Hmm. No, okay. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that brought some people in and um, made it a little bit sketchy down there. But and I guess it's not like it was legalized all over the states too, right? I guess there was people moving to Colorado specifically because of that, right? And right. Yeah. Whereas here, I guess... Just became legal everywhere. I think it was all over Canada, anyways. Like you didn't have to move somewhere to get cannabis. It no. was just very free. 
So before I forget, and thank you, Eric, for reminding me, you have a camp coming up. I do. Um, so it'll be my uh, my fifth annual kind of Calgary Sidearm Nation pitching camp. Um, it's not you don't have to be a sidearm submarine pitcher. It's just a strict. You Straight said, up pitching camp. You said that twice. Submarine pitcher. So submarines even lower. Like oh, okay. sidearms kind of give or take shoulder a little bit lower, but sidearm or submarine, sorry, you're coming off the hip almost. You're almost touching your knuckles on the ground. So oh, okay. That's, so you're almost throwing up instead of down on the plate. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just a even more different arm angle for a hitter to see and yeah. Obviously, you're not going to throw harder from there, but it's more deception and movement. And okay, um, yeah, like I said, a different look. Very cool. So and so, uh, camps coming up November second and third. Yeah, bunch of bunch of former professional pitchers that still are in Calgary. Kind of put them together, and they're all my instructors and. Cool. Uh, run through bullpen, flat ground, classroom conditioning, and it's basically just five hours of trying to learn as much from these guys and pick their brains and not necessarily cool. a showcase camp. It's just a camp for guys to learn as much as they can in one yeah. or two days. Cool, cool. And they can sign up at sidearmnation.com. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> GoDinos.com. Yep. Is it on there as well? Uh, it'll just be on Sidearm Nation. Perfect. Yeah. Cool, cool. So what's uh, next season look like for you guys? You know what? I'm 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 excited for our, for our team next spring. We've, we've got a pretty strong strong group you know we've got two fifth year starting pitchers that are pretty solid and you know our hitting lineup will be pretty solid we haven't lost that many guys and cool so it'll be i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited it'll be a kind of a season where hopefully it'll be a big turnaround for ufc and kind of help that program get some get some momentum where like i said before it should be cool cool how much is it to, to go watch a game free all the games it's are free. A, it's all free. Oh, so the university isn't making a bucket load of money off this, like I assumed earlier. Um, other sports, but baseball, it's free. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll have to come check it out then. You, Look, I just, I probably would have bought a ticket if they were got, for sale. <laughs> Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'll. Uh, we should go watch a game. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. We'll we'll have um, our first home game should be in April. Okay. Weather permitting like unfortunately last year we only had four home games so we had to travel a little bit more than i was hoping but yeah hopefully we'll have a better better season, season. there's a lot of rain this year right yeah 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 and some early snow right so our fall ball is <laughs> a little hit or miss this fall but uh, it's the unfortunate part of living in canada right is that we get winter maybe all year round but then this week you know we're playing a game tomorrow and it's Beautiful. Saturday night? Saturday night, we were downtown at the um, uh, tattoo show, mm -hmm. and I was outside in my T-shirt at like it's 9 nice, o'clock at night walking on. It was a little cold in your T-shirt, but it wasn't bad Bearable. at all. Yeah. Cool. Was there That's anything counting. else uh, you wanted to share? No, I mean, I, I just definitely want to, you know, hopefully uh, kind of, I, I love being a part of baseball in Calgary and help. Help yeah. growing baseball in Calgary, and we actually do some stuff out in Airdrie and do some winter, 
winter camps kind cool. of January through February. So it's always keep sharing with me. We'll post it on our uh, social media and, and keep everyone like, I have lots of friends that play baseball and softball and stuff like that. So I think we got lots of followers that way. So we'll, nice. we'll share as much as we possibly can. Thank you for the t-shirt and the hat. We'll post the pictures of that later on. Yeah, no uh, problem. We'll put all your links in there so they can find you at go dinos.com and sidearmnation.com. Um, you're on social media, obviously. Yep. They can just look yep. up. Sidearm uh, Nation, Twitter, I guess, Instagram, yeah. Facebook. Are you good at that stuff? I'm getting better. I'm trying to. Not yeah. my strength. No, my Not my strength, yeah. but uh, I need it's to be coming. a 14-year-old girl. I'd be better at it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I hear you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming out. I no. know you got a shift that you're working tonight, so I will let you get out of here, and uh, maybe before next season starts, you come back on, and we'll, we'll help promote and... Uh, learn more about the dinos yeah no thanks for having me guys no problem appreciate uh, it everyone thank you for listening thank you for sharing uh, go check out uh, dinos.com and sidearm nation buy a t-shirt Eric you want to go to outro hey everyone thank you for listening thank you for sharing this podcast is over <laughs> <laughs>